0: Welcome to In The Deep. I'm your host, Katherine Ingram. The following podcast was recorded in Hawaii in 2009 and is an excerpt from a much longer session called Awakened Intelligence. My longtime friend Mark Matusik moderated the conversation by taking questions online from people around the world And he also contributed his own thoughts and questions to the discussion. And by the way, Mark is a renowned author. You've probably heard of some of his books. And he also leads online courses in memoir writing, so you might want to check him out. Anyway, enjoy. Today's topic is awakened intelligence. And let's look at what we might mean by that. We hear these other types of intelligence. We hear reference to emotional t- intelligence and social intelligence and ecological intelligence. You might have mathematical intelligence, musical intelligence. There's lots of types of intelligence. And each of us fall on some kind of range in terms of our particular gifted intelligence. Some of us have real genius in just certain ways, and maybe not so much in other domains. Awakened intelligence, though, is an interesting type of intelligence in that you can actually foster it. Whereas you might not be able to increase your mathematical ability, you are able to increase your awakened intelligence. And this is something that has been, for me in my life, the most encouraging thing, because I've spent a lot of time in retreats, in the old days, sitting in retreats with teachers. And more recently, in the past 17 years, I've been leading retreats. So I've worked with literally thousands of people now in retreat. I should say I've relaxed with literally thousands of people in retreat And what I've seen in retreat, where, as most of you who are attending today's webcast know, our retreats are not imposing any kind of practice, any kind of, there's no technique involved. We're simply relaxing in beingness, in silence, in togetherness, but in a quiet togetherness that actually is profoundly intimate. And in that context of quiet intimate relaxation what we have noticed over and over and over is that people's awakened intelligence really brightens up and that people start speaking from I often say people start speaking as though they're speaking like mystical poets but they're not trying to be poetic they're just describing reality as they see it from an awakened vantage point so it is so. It has been so encouraging for me, particularly, about humanity because it's quite easy to become discouraged about humanity when we see the cruelty and the ignorance and the rank stupidity that prevails and is splattered all over the news every night um, and day. We, we can become incredibly disheartened and think this species is on a suicidal mission uh, you know, careening over the cliff, um, but but having seen this sweetness that arises so easily, given half a chance, it has made me feel a great deal of hope about who we are and who we are in our essence, who we are in our fundamental essence, and that there is this intelligence operating. If one can just access it, in almost everyone, I would say in the majority of people, there may be people who are just too far gone. They're, they're sociopaths, their they're conditioning is such that, you know, they're so, t- so tormented and so far um, so deep in that torment that they can't, they can't get out of it. But that's, that's rare, it's few. Most people. And I've seen this, of course, in retreat with all the various types of people who've arrived in retreat. Um, Most people have this this heart intelligence, this wisdom intelligence just simmering away. And sometimes they're very distracted prior to coming to retreat. They have perhaps been in a swirl of busyness and madness and obsession and so on but they get to the context of a retreat and there it drops away, it empties out, it it self-liberates. Now, we don't always have to have that happen only in retreat, of course. We can have it as a way of life. But why I'm mentioning the retreat is that that's been the context in which I've seen so much dramatic change. There can be a way that we choose to access that kind of intelligence in our daily lives. And that is easily accessed when we are intending to keep a certain type of balance going throughout the day so that you know you don't wait uh, until you're in a full-blown breakdown before you, you redirect your awareness. You start redirecting your awareness as soon as you start feeling uh, agitation, obsessive thoughts, Uh, Fear projections about the future. Um, Horrible, sad stories about the past. Now, it's not to say that you, of course, as I always say, it's not to say that you have to stop the arisings of these things. The arising, you can't do much about. But you don't at all have to be interested. So the arising comes, and the attention just automatically redirects itself into relaxed beingness, into presence, into... Ah, oh, where am I right now? Oh, I'm just sitting here in the fresh air. Or I might be sitting inside, as many of you are there in Europe in the night, sitting inside a lovely, safe place, just being and breathing and seeing and hearing. So you you begin to constantly just redirect, and in this redirection, there's this ease and relaxation, and it gives you access to an enormous amount of intuition and intelligence. And you begin to trust that to guide your life, rather than some program, some list or cosmology, some belief system that you think is the guide for your life. You begin to trust your own good heart and your own deep intelligence to be responding as needed in your life. And this, you can easily, like I said, foster. You're just, it's like a little flame. You're just kind of keep it going. And it gets stronger and stronger and stronger. It's not to say you won't fall back sometimes. It's not to say you won't indulge some very powerful thing that might occur, some drama that is fresh. But you will be less inclined to entertain old dramas that are quite stale or fantasy or nightmare dramas that are haven't even happened. You will be less inclined to be subject to anything that isn't quite current. Now, of course, granted, sometimes something happens, something's up, there's an issue, there's a problem, there's an illness, there's something. And you have to there's, there's emotion attached with it. You have to have to have that rolling through. But it also can roll through the awakened intelligence. It also, even though it's painful or hurtful or, or whatever, worrying, it can be rolling through the awakened intelligence that also knows that this too will pass. And that you're going to be, it's trusting, okay, It's hard, but I'm going to keep responding to each of these aspects of the problem from my freshness, right? I don't have to tell any story, any make-believe story, about how this isn't really happening or any of that stuff, like we spoke about last week. I can acknowledge that this issue is up, this problem is up, but I'm relying on my own intelligence, my heart intelligence, my clear, awakened intelligence, to deal with this problem. And the more you're sitting in the center of that awakened intelligence, the more readily accessible it is when you, when you need it to deal with a problem. Bunjirji used to always say, the source is taking care. Right? He used to always say, the source is, is taking care of everything. That Another way to say that is that that there is this powerful flow of existence. And if you can just relax and let this flow of existence live through you, instead of you having to do every single thing and think every single thing and plan every minute and all of that, it, it just goes better. It just goes more fluidly. So another aspect of this awakened intelligence is you sort of get out of your own way. You get out of the way of the mind, the busy mind, the controller. You had the notion, perhaps many people are conditioned with it, that you've got to use your mind to figure out everything. And actually, you can relax a lot more than you might suspect. You can relax and let it be and flow with. And, and it's astonishing how much gets taken care of relatively effortlessly.
1: I wanted to ask you, what is the relationship between intuition? Can you say more about intuition and this awakened intelligence?
0: Yes, yes. That's a, a very strong point about this awakened intelligence. Is that, you know, sometimes people think of intuition almost as a kind of magical power. And um, what I see is that when your, when your awareness, when your screen of awareness is pretty clear, and that means that whatever the, the arising set, it doesn't mean there aren't arising. Some people have a lot of arising still with a clear screen in mm. that they're just not following all that material. It's mm. arising and, and going immediately, like, like bubbles, you know. Um, when you are at ease with that kind of flow, when you're not following all the material of, of mind, you have available to you a lot more information. Mm. You're much more sensitive to things, mm right you're just picking up your 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 antenna are all very very fine tuned and because you have that much more information mm-hmm. your so called intuition apparatus is much more effective mm-hmm. because you're sensing lots of different things and it filters through this awakened intelligence and gives you a sense of of a circumstance right, right or of, of how something is rolling out. You just sense it, you, you intuit it more clearly based on more information. Mm-hmm. Not thought through information, but information that's coming in all your sense doors. Mm-hmm.
1: I'm interested though, in it, is, there a, is there a role for will
0: <laughs> in
1: the awakened intelligence? Is that a part of that, that uh, new way of, of living your life?
0: Yes, I think I think will is, um, is useful, if for nothing else, but then to redirect your attention as needed. Mm. You do need some intentionality, mm. you could call it will, um, to kind of keep yourself balanced. Right. It, you don't have to make it a heavy-duty thing. I always call it a light intention, right. the way that a plant turns to the sun, mm. you know, mm. just kind of lightly turning toward... Clarity toward presence, toward present awareness. So, uh, yes, there's a place for for will.
1: So it's not just going with the flow,
0: right? It's not an apathy. It's okay. it's 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 a kind of vigilance, um, but a light one, mm. not heavy, not kind of pouncing on. You know, I'm mm-hmm. going to make this happen. I'm going to keep myself clear. It's light not one. that. It's it's more of a a gentle willful
1: redirecting of the attention. Right. Good. Yes. That, that, that makes sense. <laughs> we have a question from Shanti. It seems sometimes that there are phases of awakened intelligence that I can act wisely at one point and then regress at another. Why is this, intelligent less, this intelligence less consistent than other forms? When someone is good at math, they usually stay good at math. They don't suddenly become incapable of adding and subtracting.
0: Right. Yes, that's true. Um, Yes, with awakened intelligence, you can seem very smart at one point and really dumb at another point. (laughs) But uh, mostly the trajectory of it goes that you are more and more sitting in that kind of intelligence and relying on that kind of intelligence. And you shouldn't worry at all when you have moments or phases or moods that are just horrifying, mm. you know, that are horrible. Mm. You just shouldn't indulge that horrible feeling. You should just say, yeah, this is to be expected. Sometimes we lose it. We just do. We sometimes are overwhelmed, we're tired, too many things that have caused irritability have piled up, or, or you're just plain, uh, you know, you're at, your, you're at your limit. Then you need to f- refresh yourself let your well fill back up um, and know that this is this too is an impermanent condition, that this madness, this obsession, this thing that caught you will not last, and that your 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 attention can easily and probably will redirect itself, go back to its its primary home base. So yes, it's not as consistent as mathematical ability. Um, however, it is an, an ability or an agility that you can keep deepening in. You can keep making it more and more enhanced by just simply um, having it as your habit. Unlike mathematical skill, which you either you have you have a level of it, and yes, you can practice and so on, but you will probably not have that much greater a mathematical skill. In fact, I'm told that the great mathematicians um, with age, they uh, are not as, as, um, and this is true of the physicists as well, that they're not as uh, on their game with age, that, that, that it diminishes with age. Awakened intelligence, on the other hand, actually increases with age until I suppose that the brain starts breaking down itself. But awakened intelligence, is something that deepens over decades.
1: I'd like to ask you about pain. Yeah. Does awakened intelligence uh, increase your sensitivity to pain?
0: I think it does.
1: Can you say more <laughs> about that?
0: I think it does because you're just more sensitive to everything. You notice, you notice things in your body mm. much more quickly. Mm. You, have less, um, you have less access to distractions Actually, mm. um, because you still notice if you have a toothache, you might be watching a movie, but you're still going to know you have the toothache. Okay. Um, so, um, what's oh, what's good about this though is that with awakened awareness, you're able to you you, you don't go into a kind of panicked feeling. Mm. You're just dealing with the pure sensations. Mm-hmm in a very kind of rational way. You're just noticing the pain of it. You might be having awareness of, how am I gonna handle this? What am I gonna do to redress it? Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. Now, there are cases of people who are in pain who don't have another option. They're just in pain. Mm -hmm. Um, And for people in awakened awareness, in pain, um, what I've been told they do, is just have this huge sense of beingness. And mm. the pain is just part of that beingness. Mm. Mm. And they're just...
1: So it goes for uh, emotional suffering as well. It
0: does, it does, I think, yes. So we're more
1: aware of our, our Sturm und Drang.
0: Yes, we are, yes. You're just more aware about everything. Right. Because your screen is clear, so every little arising is seen. St- I sometimes use the image, if you have a white canvas, beautiful white canvas, and you put a gorgeous calligraphic stroke on it, mm. you're going to see every nuance of that stroke. Mm. You're going to see where the paint splashed a little at the end of the stroke. Mm. You're going to see the way that some lines are thicker than others. And you're going to see the totality of that beautiful calligraphy mm. in its, in its um, full image. Now, imagine if the calligraphy were on this white screen but now somebody has scribbled in the same color ink all over the screen, mm-hmm. and there's, a, there's thousands of jiggly lines all around. The calligraphy is still there, but it's much harder to see, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. You, unless you've already seen it, you might not pick it out. Mm-hmm. So, in the same way, when there's a jumble, a swirl, a madness, a big story that is dominating the screen of awareness, you barely can notice anything else, right? Mm-hmm. You, you can't really, things arise, maybe even flashes of genius and insight and real awakened intelligence, but they just, they just get lost in the jumble, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Like, ha- have you ever had the sense where you had this great idea like a really great idea, you're in the shower and you have this wonderful flash. But your life is so busy and so complicated and so messy and so so much going on that you um you forgot your flash of genius until mm. maybe later. Mm. And you think, oh my gosh, I had that idea and I completely forgot. Mm-hmm. In this same way, we have an enormous amount of sensitivity um, available to us when the screen is clear, when we're like that white canvas. Mm. And then information comes along and it really stands out in full relief. Mm-hmm. And sensing comes along, whether it's pain or emotional uh, flutters. You know, uh, someone once, once described this to me as being like, like an orchid versus a boulder, mm. right? And even though the orchid is a much more delicate and in some ways vulnerable creature, it is a much more complex creature mm. than a boulder. Mm. It has everything the boulder has, and then it has a lot more.
1: Right.
0: And and that's in a way the way we are as we become more and more sensitive and more deep in our awareness. Yeah. We become more and more like orchids. Right. Right? right. It, has a, it, it does have the downside of a more vulnerable to the sensing, and yet, you know, the beauty of it, mm. the aliveness
1: and of it—absolutely—it it runs counter to what a lot of people are looking for in their spiritual lives, <laughs> I know. which is protection, yeah, safety, mm-hmm. uh, and a, a sort of a, a sort of screen between ourselves and and our suffering, right, and yes. other people's suffering, which right. we were talking about last week.
0: Yeah, that's why it's often very kind of uh, shocking to people when they get on the spiritual path. Well, this is a very
1: grown-up way of looking it at it. is. it, isn't it?
0: It really is. And it's much more realistic, based on my experience. No more
1: fairy tales. No
0: more fairy tales. And then you really are at the effect of, you know, one of the things that was so liberating for me about being with Punjaji was the way that he would let his emotions through. Mm -hmm. You know, he would would be crying with someone one moment and 45 minutes later in the same gathering, Mm -hmm. he'd be laughing like a child. And I just loved it was like watching big weather patterns sweep through him. I loved that kind of free flow of the material, you know, that is going it's going through in a big open sky of mind and heart. And so yes, it is true that we are more sensitive and we also have the capacity to let things be freed mm. more quickly. Mm-hmm. So that is also some comfort. Mm.
1: <laughs> What about when you're in the grip of an emotion that I understand about redirecting your attention and holding it in a larger space, uh, but what, 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 what can I do specifically yeah. uh, when I'm very far gone <laughs> and I can't find my way back to, yeah. emotion, to, to this uh, emotional intelligence, this, yes, uh, what, what can I do specifically? Well,
0: um, in the, if you're in an extreme situation like that, then use any kind of distraction to get you mm. off of the story.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Whether it's go to a movie, go swimming, go work out. I know mm. you love to do that. Um, uh, go for a brisk walk. Right. Um, call someone up and just have a conversation about something else. Just break up, break that pattern mm. in the brain. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. Because what's happening with the obsession is that it's creating more tendency for more obsession. It's literally creating neural pathway, you know, lanes in the brain that are inducing you to stay in it. Right. You know, so you want to just completely cut that pattern as fast as you can and as best as you can and use anything you can to do that.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: Use any distraction. Oh, so when, distraction
1: when, is a good thing. A
0: distraction in that case, where, where really you're all you're doing is plunking your awareness on something that, you know, you're just redirecting your awareness. You're in control of that, that part of the awareness.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You have this little, I often say, with, you know, we have this little tiny bit of control with the neocortex. Mm-hmm. You know, the reptilian brain is on its own. The limbic brain is on its own pretty much. We have this little tiny rudder on our big ship, mm-hmm. uh, which is our neocortex ability to direct our attention. Mm. So you use that, and that will make all the difference. You use that little rudder, right. and you say, okay, I'm just going nuts here with mm. this story. Mm. I need to break this story pattern for the moment. Mm-hmm. And wh- where will I put my attention to break that? Well, I'll re- I'll plant it on another story a, a TV story or a movie story or I'll dr- I'll dive into a good book or I'll go swimming or whatever it happens to be to just shock it out of the you know out of, mm-hmm. the, out of the, mm-hmm. the lane of
1: and also not to be surprised that the neocortex is so much weaker than the limbic brain absolutely it's yes it's a much newer evolutionary tool it, in it the is, brain it
0: is yes and it's, so it's, it's, it's not as needed as uh, the rest you can you can Get by with a lot of it damaged, but with your reptilian brain damaged, you stop breathing.
1: <laughs> right, right. So somebody compared it to a rider on the back of an elephant.
0: Yes. Like the limbic
1: brain is like the elephant, and the rational mind is is the rider on yes, the top, that's it. trying yeah. to steer. Yes.
0: Trying to steer exactly. So yeah. not to
1: be surprised that it's much weaker.
0: It's much weaker, and and it, it, the the dominance of those kinds of uh, systems, mm. the the survival system. You right. Know, the the entire um, spinal cord system, uh, the breathing system, the blood system, and then the built-in biological emotional system, Mm. right? These are powerful, powerful influences. Mm. We are are frankly silly to think we're going to ever override those through some sort of spiritual training or perspective. However, we can certainly redirect our attention. We have that and Mm -hmm. thank goodness, and that really can make a huge difference in the life. Mm. It's really enough to make the difference.
1: Absolutely. I want to just ask you one more question about emotion. Is there a role for emotion? Is emotion a part of awakened intelligence?
0: Um, I I feel that with emotion, that is so conditioned that with each of us, our emotional tendencies are almost like our the color of our eyes. You know that there's some way in which those emotional tendencies are very deeply and profoundly conditioned. You know, almost every parent I know says of their child, their personality was there from the time they were a baby, mm. right? Mm. So there's certain hard wiring in the emotions, it seems. Mm. You know. Now, of course, we can we can mitigate those with our attention and what we do with these emotions, mm. um, we can mitigate the influence or the waves that it, it that it affects our lives. Right. Um, right. But the arising of them and the kind of tendencies of them seem to me um, highly conditioned.
1: Mm. I agree. I was just wondering, we were talking last night about fear. Yes. And how fear can actually be a part of awakened intelligence. Yes,
0: absolutely. Absolutely. Right. So
1: that's what I was getting at.
0: Yes, well, that your well,
1: emotion may be actually prompting you to an awareness that your mind may be blocking out.
0: Definitely. Right. That, that 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 certain types of emotions are, are protective, you know, that you're having you're having a response that something is is, you know, is swirling in your being mm. and you realize I need to move away from this situation, mm. right? That's a a case in point with regard to fear, for instance. And this is another spiritual fallacy, that you're not supposed to feel fear, and if you Mm. were enlightened, you wouldn't have fear, and all Mm. these uh, nonsensical beliefs uh, that don't work and have been proven over and over again to be, um, you know, just false um, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. theory. Um, And yet, people so want that. They so, you know... Another way to see it, another vantage point, is to welcome. When you're feeling fear in a situation, that is your own good intelligence protecting you. Mm -hmm. We were talking about Gavin DeBecker's book, The Gift of Fear. Yes. And um, brilliant uh, title actually, where he basically is is talking about how, he's writing about how uh, you use fear. A lot of times fear is the one signal that's coming to you to get you out of a dangerous circumstance, whether it's emotional or it's literally physical. So yes, in awakened intelligence, again, the antenna are very, very strong. Mm-hmm. And um, the, the, um, the, sense, the sensory input that's coming in is coming in loud and clear. And sometimes it will be, uh, it will be, it will be giving you a signal that you are in danger.
1: Right, right. So there are times when conditioned responses are part of awakened intelligence.
0: Yes, absolutely. What about the
1: relationship to uh, this awakened intelligence and relationship, especially romantic and erotic relationship?
0: Mm-hmm. How
1: can we uh, be engaged on that level and still maintain the sort of awareness that you're, you're talking about?
0: Well, again, I think that it's all the better um, you know, it's all the better maintained from an awakened intelligence point of view. Because what happens often when one is in one of those kinds of relationships is the old, you know, the old limbic and reptilian material come, starts coming with it mm. and wanting to hold on and possess. And there's irrational jealousies that can occur mm. and so on. Mm. And with awakened intelligence, with all of that kind of arising, you just don't go there you mm. just you just oh, no 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 that's going to make a mess and and there's a sense of this uh, this almost like um i wanted to say childlike play but maybe childlike is not the right term but some kind of freshness where you're not gripped onto the other person mm. you're not assuming that person is needed for your ultimate safe haven mm. they may provide a wonderful component to your life a beautiful fabulous you know component but it is not the all and the everything and you're very clear on that Mm -hmm. and that gives you enormous um ability to to not be sticky in the relationship Mm -hmm. and often the stickiness actually causes problems but so when you're with someone and you're having that kind of connection where you just feel very free with that person, you really love them to, to be happy.
1: Mm.
0: And there may come a day when their happiness is based on not being with you. Mm. They'll say, no, I'm, I'm okay. moving on. Some part of you may be very, very sad about that, but another part of you, if you really care for this person is also bowing to them being on their own path and knowing what, what makes them happy, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So, yes, the awakened intelligence is, is fantastic, both in the lived experience of the relationship and in keeping the relationship very fresh and alive, and in particular, in the endings of relationships. Mm-hmm. It's very important there.
1: Mm-hmm. Great. Great. <laughs> Thank you. We have a question from Carl. Okay. I'm wondering if privilege is a handicap to awakened intelligence. Sometimes it seems people in positions of wealth and power don't need to bother being wise. (laughs) They can get by stomping around the world and getting whatever they want. Do you ever feel that way?
0: I do feel that way about uh, privilege sometimes. Yes, I do. I've certainly seen that. I agree. In fact, Gandhi said when he was asked what made him the saddest in the world, he said the hardness of heart Of the very wealthy and of the very privileged. Mm, Uh, Wow, you know? Mm. So, yes, I think uh, people can be very temporarily um, uh, drunk on their privilege Mm. such that they don't have to bother. They think they don't have to bother. But uh, they often have a very big humbling on the way. Mm (laughs) <laughs> and um, uh, how the mighty do fall they have a big humbling often coming and you know they will be subjected to a lot of loss the more they have the more they'll lose and um, and along the way they're hoarding it and guarding it and taking care of it and having to deal with people who are only relating to them based on the stuff or the privilege or the power or the position or the fame so um, you know one of my dear friends sharon said about the dharma and about how she said you know everybody ends up with us eventually <laughs> <laughs> she, you know that there's a dharma reckoning if you're a halfway intelligent person uh that it, that will come along and um and one doesn't wish it on anyone you know it's you know, I, I agree that it is is—it is kind of, uh, it's not one of the most compassion-inducing conditions to see someone in great privilege who has very little compassion or empathy and who is smug. It, it doesn't induce a lot of compassion. But when you see them fall, or you see them ill, or you see them having just lost somebody, then the compassion can easily arise. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: Although some people feel shodden for it, you know, they feel... Glad to see the the great fallen.
0: Yeah, that's true. People do, but I think from awakened intelligence, you don't particularly, if, especially if you're up close to mm-hmm. that person, you actually see the suffering. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you and I were watching the Tudors on uh, television, and I was I was struck with how many. How many times along the way, because there were so many beheadings, (laughs) Um, how many times along the way that this sort of bad guy is about to be beheaded and you feel so sorry for them? (laughs) So, yes.
1: Well, relating to the question of wealth and power, Mm -hmm. I'm interested to know what you think about ambition Uh and competition, which seem to be almost inevitable
0: factors Mm -hmm. in
1: in, in life, in material life. Mm Is there a way to be competitive and ambitious and have maintaining this awakened
0: intelligence? Well, I mean, I think competitiveness and ambition both arise, you know, according to one's sort of tendencies and nature, more or less on their own. Mm -hmm. So one thing about both of those conditions is they have with them quite a bit of pain. Mm -hmm. At least I find that. I find that when I'm relating to someone from a competitive point of view, or I'm I'm feeling my own ambition um, driving me. I—it's not comfortable. I don't mm. really like it. So, again, I usually try to let, like let those feelings um, just pass through and not be overly indulged. Mm. And I—I I will sometimes reflect on something. Like, it's, let's say I'm feeling competitive about someone. I might have reflections that help me mitigate that feeling of competitiveness. Mm. Um, that have to do with this person too will suffer, this person too will lose, mm-hmm. and move my heart into a more soft space mm. um, with regard to that person. You know, that there's they have their own struggles that I, I know not of. Right. Um, and the same with ambition, which is cer- certainly related. I have been asked this question hundreds of times in Dharma dialogues, and what I often say is that as you go deeper into awakened awareness into w- and awakened intelligence, what you used to uh, rely on through ambition, you start to rely more on creativity that actually wants to be of help.
1: Mm.
0: You want to be, you, you. like I said the other night in Dharma Dialogues, you want to be well-used compost. You'd like to be, um, you'd like to be have a sense that your life is of some service to others, Mm. not just yourself, but anyone else. It doesn't have to be a big crowd either, but Mm. just that your life, you know, like they say, there are all these studies that show that older people will live longer if they have a pet, Mm. even if they have plants. Even if they're just taking care of plants, you know, that their life is giving of itself. Now, one would imagine you're not that ambitious taking care of plants or a dog, you know, that but there's something incredibly fulfilling about it. Mm. And so I really recommend moving into more the sense of fulfillment of, of the feelings of being of service, of the sweetness of heart that comes with that, that that trumps what is usually associated with ambition, Mm. which has to do with the aggrandizement of me, Mm. right? The aggrandizement of my talent and who I am and my name and Mm. all of that. Mm. That's often what I think of when I hear the word ambition, people Mm. who want to make a name for themselves. It's even said there in the phrase, you know, um... And wanting some way that they're remembered after death, perhaps, and so on. I really recommend, don't worry about being remembered after death. Very few of us will be. Amazingly, astonishingly fast that you're forgotten. (laughs) And that no one remembers you. Like, none. Like, after, after the people who know you right now, unless you have a book that transcends time, which very few people are having now. You know, like the biggest books and the most incredible bestsellers are in the dustbin of history very quickly now, 15 Mm. years later, you know, 20 years later maybe. True. And um, so I don't know what it is that any of us would be doing that would garner this posthumous memory, Mm. but I would just recommend no matter, even if that were the case, likely not, but even if it were, I would not be living this life for that. You know The enjoyment and the, um, the beauty that you will experience in service here in this life, the sweetness, the, the love that comes back to you and that you become kind of in a circle of generosity, mm. um, is much more fulfilling. Mm. Than anything that you might get from an ambitious thrust of your name in lights, you know. Right,
1: right. Just, just one more question. So, do you do you think that healthy competition is a contradiction in terms?
0: I suppose there are cases of healthy competition that have, you know. Have the component of the attitude being not one of dis- destruction of the opponent, hmm. but rather using the skill of the opponent to kind of hone your own skills. Hmm. Hmm. You
1: know. I mean, isn't there a place for that in your yeah, life? Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Oh, there is. Yes, there Don't is. We
1: pu- can't we push one another yes, to the good?
0: Yes, we can. Yes. And to do better. Yes, yes. yes. And I'll be
1: greener than you.
0: you well, know? yeah. I mean, I get, or I guess, you know, just the way that one sees the possibility. In, in a friend or another talented person in your own field, and you, and it, it kind of spurs you on. Oh, I mm. can do that too. Mm. You know, not to want to take away from him or, or beat anybody down necessarily, but just to kind of spur one one on in your own skill. Right. Yeah, I think that is healthy.
1: You see it in you see it in athletics. You
0: do, and 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 what I always love to see in athletics and in various contexts is is. So-called competitors who really love, you know, jousting with each other. They yeah. really they really love it because it hones their own skills and it's fun. Right. And so that is certainly a healthy competition and a healthy attitude.
1: Right, right. And they honor one another.
0: Yes, yes. Right. They love one another. They love you know, one another. They love one another for their skill. Right. Yeah. No, that's a beautiful thing to yeah. see. I yeah. think
1: that can be applied to other areas in our life. I do too. Can this awakened intelligence be used to deal with real trauma?
0: Oh yeah, that is definitely its best use.
1: <laughs> and how can we do that? How how can you how can you go into very dark places uh, without losing your way? Yeah. And and using and, and using these principles.
0: Well, one of the one of the primary aspects of awakened intelligence is a sense, and it's a true sense. It's an it's a rational sense that there is a lot of space around everything.
1: Mm.
0: Mm. Right. Like, you think about the arisings of your little thoughts, which actually are just little electrical impulses rising right now. Mm. And they're arising in this rather vast space, Mm, aren't they? mm. They're arising and dissolving Mm. in this rather vast space, as are all the cells that are, you know, all the molecular, uh, you know, Mm. structures, right? Mm. All of that is just coming and going in this rather vast space, as are you, mm. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. You, the, the, the conglomerate of all this activity called you, is also this impermanent thing that's coming and going in space. Mm. So you start to sense in a realistic manner that whatever the trauma, so-called, the intense pain, the loss, the horror, the, you know, the memory, whatever it happens to be, Mm. you start to sense the spaciousness around it, the the space in which it existed momentarily and will be passing. Mm
1: -hmm, mm -hmm.
0: And that gives you not not necessarily a full relaxation, but some wiggle room around Mm -hmm. the trauma. Mm -hmm. It gives you a sense of, oh, I can handle this, you know.
1: is there a value? It's like,
0: you know, it's like the Tibetans use the um, example of, uh, you know, a teaspoon of salt in a, th- a shot glass of water makes that water very salty.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: A teaspoon of salt in a big lake, you don't even notice, mm-hmm. right? So you're increasing the size of the water body or the space body right. around every single thing. Such that no one thing is gripping you. Um, There may come a point when dying is your primary business. And that will probably be a very, that that process will probably trump. Mm. But I think that if there's a habit of spaciousness around Mm. the arisings, that even one's own death, as big as that journey will be, Mm. huge, Mm. and taking up a lot of the screen of awareness, um, as huge as that will be, there still will be a sense of space around it. Mm. Mm -hmm. This has been In the Deep. To support these podcasts, you can subscribe to this channel on iTunes or post a review there. If you'd like to know more about my work, book a private session, or make a tax-deductible donation for the ongoing production of the podcast, please visit katherineingram.com. Till next time.